Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! Screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 188, and tonight we are taking another voyage back in time to peek inside that horrific world that caused childhood traumas unnumerable, unnumerable, and uncountable, whatever you know what I'm talking about. But I'm talking, I'm, what I am, what I am, oh gosh, I'm up to a great start already. What I'm talking about is the made-for-TV horror movie of the 1970s. And this time around, by request of my guest, hey, that rhymed, we are going to be talking about Gargoyles from 1972. So for those of you who are new to the show, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh, and for the next hour and a half or so, I'm going to be your guide to the weird and wonderful world of horror movies. But as seen through my very, 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 very gay little eyes. So maybe you'll see something you never noticed before. Or maybe not. Who knows? Just have fun. Sit back. Just go with it. Just go with the flow, girl. Just go with the flow. So since I have a guest this time, I'm going to keep this chatter section short. I just want to say, I have been absolutely miserable for a good 10 days now. I have had my sinus headaches again, or allergy headaches, uh, or whatever they are. I have a appointment with a neurologist next, next week to find out what's going on because they've been relentless and I'm starting to notice they're not really attached to my sinuses but every day has been a slog it's been very difficult to put this episode together and that makes me very sad but hopefully we'll find out what the problem is and we'll get everything all fixed up of course not helping with any of this is the constant up and down up and down up and down with what's going on with healthcare in the United States, because as you know, if they, if if if, if the uh, uh, Affordable Healthcare Act gets repealed, I'm going to die. Plain and simple. And this has been an unending source of stress, and this week has been miserable. And the headaches, of course, on top of everything, have just made everything about unbearable. So getting the show together has been. Very difficult, but it's also been a focal point for me because if I was not working on this show, I would just be sitting in the dark with, you know, cold claws on my head feeling sorry for myself. So this gets me out of my own head and into your business, all up in your said business, as it were. The only other thing I want to talk about, well, for, first of all, Smoochie's fine. There's been no tragedies on Smoochie front. Smoochie the cat is doing well. Uh, I have to be on poop wap poop watch with her constantly to make sure that she's going and you don't really need to hear any of that so so there you go and the other big news is that the show that i did last fall the underpants godot which you heard me talk about endlessly has been nominated for the new york innovative theater award for best production of an original script so that is very exciting that's super cool news and that was a great thing to happen this week again to get me out of my head and thinking about something about how much my head hurts and how much I'm terrified for my country at this time. And that came as very welcome news. And 
The other thing I want to say before we get started, I was supposed to have another guest on the show. Toppy Smelly from the Smellcast was supposed to be here. And unfortunately, due to some scheduling confusion, he no-showed. And that's totally okay. This is what happens. I totally forgive you, Toppy. I still love you. I still kiss you. I really would have loved to have you around to talk about Mrs. Parks because she's right up your alley. But still, it's a pretty damn good show. So everybody sit back, relax, and get ready to get your gargoyles on, girl. Work it. The devil was once the most favored of the host of angels serving the Lord. But pride welled in his breast. He thought it unseemly for him to serve. The devil and his band of followers who likewise suffered the sin of pride were defeated in battle by the Lord and his host and were banished to the outermost depths of hell never to know the presence of the Lord or look on heaven again. Smarting with his wounds, but all the more swollen with pride, the devil cried out from the depths, it is better to rule in hell than serve in heaven. The devil proclaimed what was lost in heaven would be gained on earth. He said, my offspring, the gargoyles, will one day rule the Lord's works, earth and man. And so it came to pass that while man ruled on earth, the gargoyles waited, lurking, hidden from the light. Reborn every 600 years in man's reckoning of time, the gargoyles joined battle against man to gain dominion over the earth. In each coming, the gargoyles were nearly destroyed by men who flourished in greater numbers. Now it has been so many hundreds of years that it seems the ancient statues and paintings of gargoyles are just products of man's imagination. In this year, with man's thoughts turned toward the many ills he has brought upon himself, man has forgotten his most ancient adversary, the gargoyles. So joining me on another voyage into the terrifying world of the made-for-TV movies from the 1970s is a man who has been begging me to cover this movie for months now. He is an author. He is a podcaster. He formerly hosted Better in the Dark, and now he's running a comic cavalcade. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's my pleasure to announce Mr. Thomas T.J. It is an honor and a pleasure to finally be here at the Scream Kingwings Cave, Patrick. Well, it's a thrill to have you. As I said, Thomas, you're an author. Yes, I am. And you gave me one of your books to read. Yes, I did. I gotta tell you something. When I realized it was about superheroes, I was like, Ugh. But I said, a man's coming on the show. Read, at least try to read the book. I ate it up. Oh, good. Thank you. So the book that you sent me is called Shadow Legion Nightmare City. And I got to say, it, 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 for a superhero story, they read like horror, horror fiction. Well, you know, my background has, was in horror fiction. I did a lot of short horror fiction in the 90s, so it uh -huh. stands to reason I would bring that sensibility over here when I started doing this new pulp superhero stuff. No, and I like that, because this, this particular book, I don't know what the other book is like. This is a, it's a collection of short stories, but it's all about the same group of, you know, um, um, of superiorly empowered folk, all in the town of Nocturne, Florida. Mm -hmm. and, 
it just makes it just makes a nice, 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 nice little neat package of everything, and I very much enjoyed it. That, that particularly the one about the um, what was her name? Well, I know the girl was calling her the Red Lady, but I, that, that, the first one was fantastic. Oh yeah, uh, Waltz and Scarlet. Uh, could you could tell us some more about this little world that you've created here in Nocturne, Florida? Florida, some of the people who inhabit well, it. Sell your shit, boy. Nocturne, Florida is, uh, well, is based on New Orleans, mm-hmm. and weird things just happen there. Um, the Indian tribe that used to live there was not nice people, and there are not nice people who are living there now, and it's just weird, mystical stuff going on all over the place. Cool. Um Cool. Like ahead, I said, I went in with a huge chip on my shoulder, and you knocked it off within a few pages. Once I settled into what was going on, because it is mm-hmm. the second book in the series, so and it was the first story is about the um, uh, the ferryman. Ferryman, yes. So it took me a while to figure out what his whole deal was, but once I did, it was very fascinating. Can you tell us who's the ferryman and what's he all about? The ferryman is a person who basically has a door open to the other side. The ghosts of the, the newly unjustly dead tend to crouch in his, in his mind and demand that he avenge them. Yes. And in the uh, Waltz and Scarlet, he encounters something he's never encountered before in his, in his little mind sanctum. A living spirit looking for for sanctuary from the red lady, as she yeah, puts this little, it. Little girl in danger. No, I loved it. I ate it up like candy. Well, they thank actually you. Kicked, they they kicked me out of the subway sandwich shop. They're like, you have to go. We need a table. I didn't realize I was sitting there for an hour. <laughs> you go now, now. You. Go. <laughs> so I just two more pages. Just two more pages. No, they threw me. I really much enjoyed it. So, uh, in case I forget to do it later, where can people find out more about your books, and where can they buy them? Well, they're available on Amazon.com and any uh, fine bookseller. Just uh, I have a author's page on Amazon, so you can look that up, and there you can find both of the both of the uh, the books, Nightmare City, and the first one, New Roads to Hell, plus a bunch of anthologies which contain my stuff. Nice. Uh, there's, there's stuff for everyone there. If you like Giant Monsters, there's a Giant Monsters anthology. Ooh, specified anthologies. That's even better. <laughs> specified Betrayal on Monster Earth, it's called. Nice. Nice. Now, that's, what's a better word for that? Um, fetish. Fetish anthologies. If, yeah. you're really, if you're really into crab people, you'll love the crab people anthology. Is there a crab people anthology? <laughs> Not yet. So, to this my knowledge, there is no crab people anthology. Well, get on that. And I will buy the shit out of a crab person anthology. All right, I'm going to guess Toppy is not coming, so we are going to press well, on with gargoyles. We did from- do, which might be oh, actually, sorry. which might be of interest to you. We did do a anthology of Pulp Fiction, uh, Agatha Christie tales. Nice. That's a nice combination of genres. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to press on with Gargoyles from 1972. You were very em- emphatic about picking this one, Mr. DJ. Well, I remember as a young'un, 
watching this on Channel 5 one Sunday afternoon and being freaked out by it. And, of course, that led to siblings for years going, ooh, Gargoyle's going to get you, going to get you to torture forever. So I have not seen the movie since. And what was neat, what was neat, I'm watching it going, I don't, this isn't anything, this isn't anything. And all of a sudden, something started to tingle in the back of my brain. I was like, oh, God. It's about to happen. I remember, I'm like, this all of a sudden, like the vaguest, deepest, darkest memories from the recesses of my brain started started to panic. <laughs> my, my my subconscious, which never forgets anything, was like, "You are about to poop yourself, little boy." I didn't poop myself this time. Oh, good. Well, yes, yes, yes. Because considering I was watching it on a group, that, well, they wouldn't have known there was no video. <laughs> Patrick got really quiet in the chat section all of a sudden because we had a great group screening. Thank you to everybody who came to the group online screening. It was a hoot. You made it so much better because I had to say I tried to watch it by myself the day before, and I could not pay attention to it. Like, like for, After a while, mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, there's a certain point, we'll get to it in the discussion, where I just lost all interest. But watching yeah, the crowd it, forced me to get through it. I'm glad I did because there was so much more to make fun of. And enjoy, and enjoy, because there's a lot of great stuff, and there's a lot of very, very silly stuff. So, I mean, I don't know how old you are, sir, but were you around for a lot of these movies, this whole like thing when they were happening? Yeah. You were. So I you was know, a you... kid at the time, but I was there during the golden age of the TV movie. Yeah, for, for you younger listeners, and I will say this every time we cover one of these movies, you don't get it. You don't get it because we only had a handful of channels at the time. So when somebody was showing a made-for-TV movie, it was an event, and shit stopped. And the whole family would gather and watch it no matter what the hell it was. And there was some bonkers, bonkers-ass stuff getting made in the 70s that would never get made now. Mm-hmm. So these things were responsible for traumatizing childhoods left and right and left and right. So sure, when you watch them now, they're silly and they're tame and the special effects are usually really cheap. But it was a phenomenon at the time, something that we don't really have anymore. There's really no – well, I mean, I guess you could tell. It's like The Walking Dead. Everybody stops to watch that, but not really. It's not the same. No. Because you didn't want to be the kid the next day at school who did not watch the movie. I couldn't talk about it. You'd be out of the loop. Okay, so Tom, since you are my guest, it is your job to give me a nice, succinct 30-second summary of the very basic plot of Gargoyles. Well, the guy from The Naked Prey and his uh, slightly chubby daughter encounter weird, lizard-like creatures in the American southwestern desert. Okay, that works. Good. That was that was extremely succinct. Well done. <laughs> well done. That was very, very, very uh, 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 pithy. Short but full of meaning. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. I didn't recognize the dude at all. What did you say he was from? He was from The Naked Prey. Yeah, that means nothing. Cornell Wilde, yeah. Yeah, the only thing I recognized on his IMDb bio was The Greatest Show on Earth, was, which is the movie that nobody understands how it won the best movie mm-hmm. Oscar in its day and the uh, ordinary people of its time and he's a professor and what is he a professor of of demonology that is correct sir of course it's correct of course you watched the movie yeah he's a professor of demonology and I thought they were in Mexico well they made a mention of going to Mexico but I don't think they ever got there yeah I couldn't tell because as everybody was saying in the chat room they said for Mexico there's a no Mexicans and nothing but white people 
So I thought of it more like Arizona or New Mexico. I could have sworn they said Mexico, but then again, it's a 70s TV movie, so they were always shot in Central California, so it's more like, you know, mm-hmm. Fresno passing for Mexico or Arizona, wherever the hell it was taking place. Fact checked from the future. The movie does, in fact, take place in Mexico. You think I'd miss a trip to Mexico with you? Yeah, so... Uh, it, it all starts at the, at the airport, and you know she's coming to visit him. His daughter's coming to visit him, and and she wears a, a bra, nothing but a bra for the occasion, which is nice, nice fringy. Well, the bra. whole film, she's wearing nothing but a series of in um, inappropriate outfits. Well, I thought it was nice that she wore a fancy bra for this weekend away with yeah. her dad, but <laughs> and that and that lovely uh, necklace of hers. Oh, which one? Which one? The first one. The first one. Listener TJ pointed out. It's like, it looks like she's got five little bags of coke hanging off of that thing. <laughs> that will come back into play later, as a matter of fact. But yeah, so she's coming to visit him. She's completely inappropriately dressed, and she brings a statue of a demon for him, of of, of Kalamudre. Kalamudre will just about complete my collection of demons. Thank you, darling. It's this. It, it's. I mean, I, I, I was watching it, going, "You got that through." As a carry-on. Yes. I don't think Kalamudra is going to fit in the overhead compartment because that thing was big. And imagine being the person sitting next to her with his like, thing in her lap. Yes, that's what I imagined. And Especially since kind of plain... she just kind of hands it to her, to her. She doesn't take it out of a bag or anything. No, nothing. It wasn't in a bag, and it never comes into play again. That was one of those things I'm like, oh, that's going to be helpful fighting off the gargoyles in the left. No. No. So somebody spent a lot of time making a very cool-looking prop that didn't get used at all. And I got to say, Professor uh, – oh, gosh, what is it? It's not Boyle. Borley. Borley, like you're right. Professor Borley is a huge pain in the ass almost from the get-go. Throughout the course of the movie, it's like he does not help anybody. He likes it's like, I'm not going to call the police. I'm not going to help this guy that's in a fire. I'm just going to complicate everything. He's a huge pain right. in the ass. But I'm going to take this skull anyway. Yeah. But uh, the daughter, Jennifer Salt, uh, her film career is a little bit, you know, not, not much to write home about except for being in Midnight Cowboy, which is pretty cool. But she's a big writer for American Horror Story now, which right. I think is cool. Yes, I think she's a you. producer as well. She is, and she is, she is, she is. And good for her. Good for her still working after all these years. Right on. Right mm-hmm. on. And I have to say, I liked her. I didn't like him, but God, yeah. she was all right. She was a good screamer. Good screamer. And it's anyways, kind of what you need in a film like this. Uh-huh. Well, yes, and she had her boobs right out there. It's like, well, it's, it's TV, so we can't take them out, but this is as close as we can get. <laughs> and have her completely inappropriately dressed. When, my, when, when she lands, you get the idea like, that the, the, you know, he's separated from her mom. Uh, you know, that comes up in conversation. And that line on, about, well, he doesn't, she doesn't see me much now that she's married old Jim. Yeah, old Jim. Yes, old Jim. And then later on, she asked them, Do you really think the world of evil is just fantasy? And my thought was, have you met your mother? (laughs) Have you met old Jim? Demons walk among us, and there they are. But actually, he doesn't believe in any of this. That's the whole thing. He, he, Mm -hmm. he, He researches all the religions and kind of, and the demons and the mythologies and kind of goes off, you know, makes a ton of money writing books about it. And, but he's a skeptic. Well, yeah, there's that moment where he he they're referring to the uh, TV show he was recently on, and she says, oh, you made that witch cry or something like that. Yeah. 
<laughs> he's a pain in the ass just pretty much all the way around. But why, why, why are they here? Where are they going? What are they doing here? Well, he's researching a new book, mm-hmm. and he wants to go down to study the, I think it was like the Aztec pyramids. But first, he wants to go and visit Old Willie's Desert Museum. Uncle Willie. We, I, I actually loved Uncle Willie. I love having an old coot like this in a movie. And I don't have the actor's name, but I remember him from Gunsmoke. Um, Chadless was his last name. Uh, I couldn't. I can't help. I'm going to take your word for it. But I just love it because you just know that if, if I went to his IMDb page, it would be littered with characters named Pops. Right. He was just born to be a Pops. You know, he was old. Old when, Chuck. Old, yeah. old Harry. Old Phil. Uh-huh. Grizzly Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but well, what's going on in Uncle Willie's Love Shack or whatever it was? <laughs> Uncle what, what, Willie's what? Love Shack. Well, Uncle Willie wants to write a book and wants uh, old Professor Morley to write it with him, with his picture on the cover. Don't forget that part. Now, Mr. Leverett, if you have something worth my while, please get to the point. Otherwise, we'll have to be leaving. Now, now don't rush me. I don't know which way to turn. I thought we'd talk it over and we'd uh, write this book that I have in mind. You know, Uncle Willie's uh, Tales of the Desert. Yes, that's right. He wants his picture on the cover. Not grizzled face out there staring at him. He'd be, he'd be <laughs> leaping off the shelves into people's carts. <laughs> <laughs> and to show that he has something worth writing about, he takes him back into the shed. Yes. Where there is the skeleton. Yes. Uncle Willie's is this roadside tourist trap that I love. I love when, like, when I have to drive across country. I will make an effort to stop at as many of these places as I possibly can because I think it's a fascinating slice of Americana. Not only is it a roadside attraction, it's got that old thing, that old trope that it used to be huge and popular, but that damn highway came in. The highway came, yes. But now there's nobody coming anymore, so he's got all kinds of tacky knickknacks and uh, all sorts of wonderful things. And what I loved was driving up, he had the Burma Shave style signs. Yeah. Or the south of the border signs, like every couple of feet. And I'm just interested in the beer, uh-huh. is the professor. Or the snake pit and see the, the, yeah. the desert the, fish. The two-headed lizard is still alive. The two-headed lizard is still alive. And my personal favorite was Indian blankets. Smallpox <laughs> extra. You know, asterisk. Smallpox extra. Yeah, so it's this great, awful thing. And yes... He, they they go and they have a beer and Professor Borley's being a huge pain in the ass because Uncle Willie wants to spin a yarn. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jennifer Salt is Diane is the character's name yes. is busy tapping on the Rattler cage. Yes, with the loudest sound effect. Yes. Wait, what are you doing? <laughs> don't do that. Twelve people in the chat room are like, ah, don't do that. Are you crazy? Bang, 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 bang. But yeah, Uncle Willie wants to spin one of his yarns because he's thinking, I'm clearly a creepy old exposition guy, which means I'm going to be dead in 10 minutes, so I want to make the most of my screen time. But Professor Borley's having none of it. He's like, blah, either show me what you got or we're leaving, blah. And he's like, all right, all right, all right. And he basically says, please follow me to my murder shack. We're out in the middle of the desert, in the middle of nowhere. Please follow me to my dark, creepy shack that's even further back off the road, where no one will ever hear you scream. And by the way, don't walk over the meth lab while you're in there. Right. Let me turn on my creepy gas lights. Uh, I'll take you one at a time, super slow, super slow. <laughs> 
and and what does he have in there? It's this big weird skeleton that the professor automatically thinks is made up. Yes. Well, as anybody would, it's a roadside attraction for God's sake. Yeah. Yeah, it's this big horned skeleton with wings and shit. He's very impressed by the wing work, though. What is it? I just got it put back together again. What do you mean, put back together again? That never was together. <laughs> you assembled that out of a pile of old junk bones. No. I found it whole over in the canyon. Carted it back in my pickup. But you can't imagine how hard difficult it is to match them bones to... <laughs> Come on, Uncle Willie. <laughs> this is excellent work, but it's a it's a concoction of uh, unrelated bones. Some animals, some human. It's, um, if I had more time, I'd ask you how you uh, manage the joints for the wings. That took real imagination. Coming up with wings. No, this is not a trick. This is not for them tourists. This is the real thing. For a fake, my goodness, what ingenuity you would have had to make these great wings. And as people pointed out, Later on, when the gargoyles actually show up, like, and eh, none of them look anything like that. No. I particularly like the, the big schnoz on the skull. It did have a big schnoz. It did have a big schnoz. Now that they're in there, now he gets to spin his yarn, and, 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 and Diana's going to tape it for posterity so that her father can, you know, whatever, you know, get all the details down. And he's spinning the whole legend of the, the Indian Nakadekachinkos. Nakatakachinkos. <laughs> can you, uh... Remember what the uh, well the Indian word was for the devils in the legends? You see, not Nakatechinkos. This great chief saw the Nakatechinko in the desert, and he had the tribe make costumes for all the elders, like the Nakatechinko, for the uh, ritual of manhood called Nonataya. Nonataya. Uh, what about, uh... I gotta tell you, coincidentally, I had just opened a great big bag of cool ranch Nakatakachinkos to eat <laughs> during the group screening. So, I was like, oh, hey, product placement. Great. Yeah, so, yeah, so it was the old, it's the, the, whatever Indian tribe, I'm sorry, Native American tribe, used to inhabit the area. They had, their their oldest legend was of the Nakatakachinkos, which lived up in the ha- the hills and the mountains and in the rocks and in the caves. And Devil's rain, Crossing, they called it. On what? They called it Devil's Crossing in their language. But we, we have already made up two ridiculous Indian words. We don't have time to make up a third. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They called it Devil's Crossing. The Indians named this place Devil's Crossing in their old language back when they had a camp here. They lived here for hundreds and hundreds of years. The Indians told all about these devils, these spirits. They were real. I've got all the stories. Dr. Bowley, them devils used to live up there in the rocks. Came all of a sudden, like, just played hell with the tribes. Then they chased them off with their sacrifices and their offerings. An old Indian told me it was his tribe's main legend for hundreds of years. Now, ain't that worth a book, ain't it? Nanataya. <laughs> Which we don't get any details about because their whole chat is interrupted. What happened? Well, the there's a, like this great wind thing that we kind of heard earlier in the film while he's wandering around the desert. But there's this great wind thing, and then claws come through the um, wall of the murder shaft. Yes. 
team falls down, knocks over one of the the lamps, yeah. sits old Willie on fire, prompting the professor to say, "Oh, he's dead." Uh huh. Man, the whole place goes up like a bomb. They make an effort to save the tape recorder and the skull of the skeleton. They don't even try to save poor. <laughs> <laughs> he's dead. Ah, he's dead. That beam was on him for like three seconds. The three-second rule was in full effect for poor Uncle <laughs> Willie, and they made no effort, which made me hate this guy even more. <laughs> like, you asshole! You didn't even get the hero of this movie. You didn't even try to save old Gizzard Breath, or whatever we're calling him these days. Well, I think poor. calling him a hero is kind of being charitable. Well, in his mind, he's the hero. He's the star of in- the movie. And yeah, well, yeah, maybe yeah. in the gargoyle's mind, gargoyle was the hero of the movie. Uh, they don't do anything to help him, and they go driving off into the night, very calmly, by the way. Yes. They both got in the car. Which and makes like, you well, wonder was- if it's it's not old Willie that was the murderer. Maybe back home, Professor Morley's got some uh, bodies buried in the backyard. Yeah. Yep, that he stitches together to make skeletons for his exhibits. Aha, aha, that's right, that's right. That's that thing she had with somebody's head. That's just somebody's head that I put some paper mache on. For my dad. (laughs) I call this Diableros. Yes. Yes, they're driving away from that. You can still see the blazing shack in the background. And then you're like, well, that was really terrible, wasn't it? Gosh, wow. Well, we couldn't save him. Oh, well. While we're here, why don't we rewind what we just heard? Yes. Yes, and and as everybody pointed out in the chat room, there's a huge mistake here. Yeah. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because when Willie's talking, in the middle of it, Diana stops and she's like, oh, hold on, I have to flip the tape over. You see, kids, back in the day, we had these things called cassettes, and they only had a limited amount of time. When they were done, you had to flip them over. Okay, okay, work with us here. And then when they're playing it back, you hear her say, Hold on a minute. I have to stop the tape and flip it over, and then she doesn't yeah. flip it over in the car. <laughs> you don't hear the clunk, clunk, or like mm-hmm. on auto reverse. Nothing. But anyway, but okay. unfortunately, they don't get to hear much because they get attacked again. They're on the roof. Hold tight. By this big, furry, lizard-like thing that we only see in bits and pieces. Yeah, it's on the top of Smashes the car. Smashes the window. Yes. Scratches open the, the, the top and then kind of wanders off. Yeah, well, they, in they, slow they, motion. Do, they, do some, they do some, you know, relatively moderate speed stunt driving and get it to fall off the car. And it does a slow motion crawl into the bushes. This is the other thing I have to ask. Was slow motion new? At the time, because this director was in no. love with slow motion. Yes, he was. They kept going into slow motion pretty much any time the gargoyles were doing much of anything, so you could really mm-hmm. see how shitty these costumes were. <laughs> Stan Winston costumes, no less. I know that, and I realized that it won the Emmy for makeup. Does that say more about the Emmy for makeup that year or about the movie? Well, I will give them that the face makeup is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Particularly on the lead gargoyle, it's the bodysuits that are killing me. These saggy ass, droopy ass—they're not even in tights. They're just—they're these total zipper up the back type things. It's like you can almost see like the belt loops and stuff. It's—they're bad. They're bad. They're With bad. With the fur meant to strategically hide the uh, the ends of the where the jumpsuits are. Yeah. 
which is fun. I had no problem with most of the makeup. Some of it was pretty good, but uh, uh, but man, those bodysuits were terrible. And they go to a gas station to get the car fixed. At no point, you know, the, the, the gas station comes up and he's like, oh my gosh, what happened to your car? And Professor Borley says, oh, we were in a car accident. Does not mention the fire. Nobody calls the police. Right. On the off chance that Willie might still be alive, no, 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 they don't call the police till the next day in the afternoon, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Well, no one would believe us if we told them what happened. Yeah, so we're not even going to try. Don't worry about it. We're good. We're good. We're fine. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're coming up against one of my favorite. We're coming towards one of my favorite characters in the oh, film. It's everybody's favorite character. Oh my gosh, the chat lit up as soon as. Oh my gosh, what's her name, Mrs. Oh, oh, I, I only remember the actress's name, Grayson Hall. Yes, from? Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows, which is sad that Toppy's not here because that's his favorite show and he would have so much dirt on her. But as I just referred to her as Drinky McDrinkenstein. She, Dr- Horny McDrinkenstein, yes. <laughs> yes, she, yeah, she runs the, the shitty motel that they're staying at, the Cactus Motel. Yeah. And the and second she opens the door, she starts undoing her curlers like a she, man. She takes one look at him, and she's like, "I'm in my." She's in her nightgown and curlers, and those curlers start coming out immediately. But God forbid, she does not put down her drink. No. No, she does not put down that drink. I we, don't think there is a moment in the film, except for the last time we see her, where she doesn't have a drink in her hand. I was saying she should have been holding a drink, the unspilled drink, but we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. <laughs> Mrs. Parks. It's Mrs. Parks. Her name was Mrs. Parks. Okay. Car's being repaired over at the gas station. And, uh, we're pretty shaken up. Do you have something for us? You've got to understand that i I got to be careful. I get some pretty weird types, oh, some sure. pretty rough customers come up this road, and a woman alone can't be too careful. Right. And she's gracious as a horny, boozy old woman who runs this shitty motel in the middle of nowhere, again with no clients because the damn highway, and she lights up the damn movie every time she's on screen. <laughs> I could not have been happier with Mrs. Parks. And just even walking them to the room, she's trying to seduce him in this really weird way, talking about how lonely it is. Why, why don't you have a nightcap while your daughter gets to rest? Huh? Well, I, uh, I... About two weeks ago, I had a traveling salesman who was staying here who drove out on that road and got totaled by a semi right in front of my eyes. Sure, well, sir. the engine went right through the front seat. And just a minute before, he had been saying goodbye to me. Well, I can imagine how he felt. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. And he's just like, oh, good night. And then she seems surprised that her tale of horrible bodily mutilation. Because the next thing she asks is, do you want a nightcap? Did I seduce you with my gory tails? <laughs> Did I scare you into my bed? I don't know. As, as someone in the chat room said, the guy probably threw himself in front of the truck to get away from her. <laughs> <laughs> I regret nothing. <laughs> so now it's the next morning, and this is when I realized that so he he slept. Well, this, is, this is funny. The doctor, the professor, slept with no shirt on. 
Yeah. But pants. <laughs> Something Which for the ladies, I guess. Which were a different set of pants than he had on the rest of the movie. So I'm like, okay, so he's got sleep <laughs> pants. Okay, okay. Because they didn't look like sleep pants. They were the same color. He was a symphony of beige and brown, as everybody was in the 70s. But this was a totally different pair of pants, because I just had mentioned how hot his ass looked in those shit brown pants. <laughs> And now he's in a different pair of shit brown pants. And she gets up at noon, and I went, wow, the daughter wore more to bed than he did. Because <laughs> she's wearing one of these, like, granny nightgowns. Sensible nightgown. Not diaphanous at all. I was very disappointed. There was no diaphanous anything in this movie. Isn't he playing the tape over and over again, yeah, which is what wakes yeah, her up? Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did your screaming wake you up on this tape that I can't stop playing? <laughs> He's obsessed with the tape. At one point, he took it into the bathroom to play it in there. So he, wouldn't, he wouldn't scare again. I'm thinking, is he going to spank it to this tape? And <laughs> the only thing that would have made it better is if he didn't like this kind of like side-to-side eye move uh-huh. to make sure nobody was there before he started playing it. <laughs> Mrs. Park's head suddenly appeared in the window. <laughs> Hi! <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I heard screaming. I thought something sexy was happening. <laughs> would you like my time? <laughs> I've got a barrel strapped to my neck like a St. Bernard. Anyway. <laughs> but now they finally decide to call the cops. Right. You know, it's it's easily 12 hours later. And they go with the cops out to Uncle Willie's, and it's, of course, all burned to the ground. But what's going on? There are a bunch of bikers led by Scott Glenn. By skinny-ass Scott Glenn. Scott Glenn, who would later be in Silence of the Lambs and a million other things, but he's super young mm-hmm. here and super 70s hot. <laughs> the shaggy hair, the... That, that disconnected, disinterested face that was very popular at the time. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. he's never really too concerned about anything that's going on here, which is totally fine. <laughs> I don't mind it. Because <laughs> it's Scott Glenn. Right. And pretty much everything he's introdu- everything that's introduced to him is completely ridiculous anyway, but we'll come back to him. Yeah, so there's all these bikers running around, not even like motorcyclists, they're dirt bikers. And I was but having they're pretty to- mean to the, to the chief. They're like, ah, oh, there, there's your answer. Yeah, so they, the, the police naturally assume that these, these hardened criminals are the ones who burned down Willie's shack because they had, they had taken some stuff. It's like they burned down the whole place and they looted it, blah. And they have a thrilling, again, moderate speed chase <laughs> through the desert. And there are a couple of leaps of the cop car over mm-hmm. various ravines and shit. And everybody kept saying in the chat room, making Dukes of Hazard cracks. <laughs> like, oh, those Duke boys are at it again. Burning Duke down of mild discom- Duke of mild discomfort, more like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but of course, Diane. Diane is not having any of this. They didn't do anything. And she's wearing, by the way, at this point, she's wearing that big boxy shirt. Yeah, she went from uh, she went from the the fringy bra to like the dumpiest, brownest, unfitted. Yeah, it's usually two sizes too big for her. Yeah, I mean now she's dressed for an archaeological dig. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, I guess except well, for the you know, flares. I said, oh, I guess when she wasn't, she wasn't. She's wearing her dad's stuff because she didn't have clothes. No, she just got off the plane. She would have clothes. <laughs> Whatever. She's wearing this big, ugly thing. But I guess it's for the reveal later on. Mm-hmm. Of yet another Frenchie bra. Oh, gosh. With that, I'm glad. No, but we'll get to that when we get to that. I'm glad she brought so much fringy under things for this trip with her dad. 
I know what my dad likes. <laughs> this seems appropriate. <laughs> so the, the the bikers are arrested and 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 they have to walk back to the motel. And now I get a little fuzzy of what goes on. Um, well, then the, it's night the next night, right? And I guess Professor oh, yeah, Killer guy. There's more. There's more. Ta- this is when he sneaks into the bathroom with the thing. Oh, okay. I think, and then he goes to bed. Mm-hmm. And when he goes to bed, this is the scene where the hair started to go up on the back of my neck going, warning, 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 childhood trauma approaching, mm-hmm. childhood trauma approaching. And this was it. It was He's in bed, and you just see little clippy claw hands come up over the railing of the bed first one, and then another, and then this hideous lizard beaky face rises up and all panic ensues. That's really all I ever saw of the movie. That was it. Mm-hmm. That was it. But that was the scene that scared the hell out of me. I was like, ah, oh, what was happening? I was going, oh my god, oh my god. Oh, that wasn't so bad. But it was when I was, however old I was, good lord, that scared the hell out of me. And there's a whole mm-hmm. big fight scene. There's three gargoyles in the hotel room and they're smashing everything and she's screaming and you know, they <laughs> chase the professor out into the road and conveniently, a truck happens to be going by and, and plows yeah. down one of the gargoyles. There's a whole, like, very touching moment where the gargoyle dies in Professor Morley's arms. As it's looking words, at last him, words. Looking at him pleading, going, put a shirt on, old man. <laughs> <laughs> You're not impressing anybody. No, his shirt was off for a really long time, and plus those pants were pulled up almost to his nipples. I'm going, God, yeah. why? Why? I was surprised to see that there was blood underneath the gargoyle's head. Was because there? I, yeah, there was there was a pool of blood underneath the gargoyle's head, and it's I that's you. really unusual for TV movies at the time. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I mean, he had a little on his head later on, but that's not mm-hmm. that. And let's not forget the famous uh, car upholstery of blood. Oh, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. No, so he figures out, oh, they were just trying to get the body of their dead back. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden he believes in demonology 100%. Yeah. And, and, and he and, figures the best way to keep these creatures out is to take the, another body of their dead. What is it? I've seen them many times before, even before last night. You mean in your books? The gargoyles and Gothic cathedrals, Egyptian carvings. I never believed that they, but now my book will be not only about myths and legends, but about reality. What do they want with us? Not us. They want the bones of their dead. We've got to get this body to L.A. They'll be back with this one, too. So his hotel room is becoming the murder shack now. Uh, <laughs> we've got two dead bodies in there now. Uh, well, a skull and a dead body. and and, and Well, the skull was taken, though. Oh, did they take it? Okay. They took the skull, yeah. Okay. Uh, The important thing to remember is that now he's got a full dead body gargoyle in his bed. In his bed. (laughs) Mrs. Parks comes calling. Where will we put this? Hmm, I'll put it on. At least put her in his bed and not her bed. Here, Diana, put it on your bed. Yes, but Mrs. Parks comes knocking on the door in in, in, in a full turtleneck for those chilly Mexico desert nights, which I guess it would. What is it, Mrs. Parks? What is it? All that ruckus and fighting scared me to death. What are you two doing in there anyway? Well... It was nothing, really. Just a family argument. 
some family. I am going to be listening. On the very next problem I hear, I will call the police. Oh, I've seen them all. Drunks, dopers. But I got a feeling I got a new one this time. He's <laughs> really, really mad that somebody was having, might have been having wild, crazy sex in the hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> and she was not included, goddammit. And it's where she should be. They're probably paying $4 a night for that room, for God's sake. So, yeah, so we have this dead body, and in the morning, they, uh, Diana and her dad have a big argument because she wants to go to the cops. Because she says, now we have proof that those, that those sexy boys <laughs> aren't, aren't murderers. And, and he he's says, like, ah, no, I'm going to take, take this back to Los Angeles to have it autopsied or something. Autopsied, yeah. <laughs> something else they can bring on the plane with them, <laughs> just having a seat. <laughs> Have him sitting there like a like a ventriloquist dummy. Uh huh. No, just just yeah. Uh huh. Just sitting there. Just sitting there. Not in the overhead compartment. Nothing. Just sitting there. Bought him a ticket. The whole works. The whole <laughs> works. Yeah, he's just continuing to be a pain in the ass and lets her go off on her own. Right down <laughs> to, to the walk, to walk to the police station. And this I mean, is still it's, at night, by the way. This is this, still yeah. It's still at night. They've had two encounters with violent murderous monsters and he's just like okay bye and she's totally fine going as well and she goes and she tr she's pleading and she's begging and yeah this is the first scene in the jail cell and she's explaining everything like we have monsters that my dad called them gargoyles and of course the police don't really give a shit they're like you're crazy right. so she's trying to appeal to scott glenn not gonna believe what happened try me in our motel room we have a huge giant dead animal it looks like a lizard giant lizard only it has a beak it really looks like a monster hold on you got a, you got a giant lizard with a beak in your motel room yes and it's called a gargoyle my Gar father's a scientist it's called a gargoyle and last night at willie's place a bunch of these gargoyles attacked the building bunch and they of caused a fire big, giant lizards with beaks yes <laughs> and there was a fire and uncle willie got killed and then we hey, grabbed the here, skull and we ran to the you and your old man sniffing glue back in that motel the excuses were really weak why the police couldn't come. They're like, well, we can't leave these guys alone in their jail cell. Right. And we can't let them... Who's going to man the camera for the live feed for all the free porn that we've been broadcasting? <laughs> and we can't let them go because we have to wait for the judge tomorrow morning. That's valid. Yeah, well, we can't wake him up in the middle of the night. Whatever. Okay. And, and 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 so she walks back alone, and she gets again at night, and he's hearing scary things. And why? Why is this girl walking around alone? It's terrible. And is this when the second attack happens? Yes. Yes. When they come and break down the door. They come and break down the door. They try to escape. They uh, with the body of the lizard thing. They throw it in the back of their their great brown station wagon that everybody had in the seventies. Right. Uh, which the gargoyles then promptly flip over so that they can't leave. Give me the body, that's what they want! No. You gotta get his own kill! After one of them grabs hold of uh, Diana and throws her on the side of the gas station. Uh-huh, and she's laying there on the road, just uh, unconscious, and there he comes. The main gargoyle. Big Daddy Gargoyle himself, played by Bernie Casey. And Bernie kind of hunches over and starts playing with her hair and like her necklace and her uh -huh. earrings. 
Uh huh. Or was there, was it would have been a hairdresser had he been human? <laughs> He's looking at a necklace like oh turquoise in Mexico. Oh tacky, tacky appropriation, cultural appropriation. Not okay. And then somebody pointed out, now that she's wearing this turquoise necklace, that this one also had three bags of Coke hanging from it. <laughs> and later well, on you have to have your stash on hand. Later on in the movie, when she goes back to the police station to try to get them out a second time, the bags mm-hmm. are gone. So either her and her dad... <laughs> <laughs> no, it was the first. I don't remember. It was one of the times with Scott Glenn. She's talking well, to Scott Glenn. One she, time. And he says, he says, so are you and your dad in that hotel room sniffing glue? And I'm thinking, no, we sniffed all yes. the cocaine that used to be on my necklace. But <laughs> so they only go been... back to the to the police. She only goes back to the police station at one time because now she's about to get whisked away. You're right. You're right. So I guess it must have happened then. Because I'm, I guess somebody, yes, oh, that's right. No, there's the scene with Mrs. Parks at the police station. And that's what I'm thinking of. Because I know there was a second <laughs> visit there because that's when there totally was porn happening in that jail cell. Yeah. But we'll get back to that. <laughs> Believe me, the chat room was a buzz. It was a buzz with everything. And, uh, yeah, so Daddy Gargoyle is, is, is Bernie Casey, who's a legendary African-American actor. And just awesome to see him in this, even though for some reason, and he's got this great booming voice. Mm-hmm. Yet for some reason they dubbed him over. I guess they didn't feel like that big wooing voice was a demon voice. So it's this teeny tiny electronically altered voice, which isn't doesn't match the monster at all. It isn't particularly it's scary. It's the but... same actor uh-huh. that Go ahead. did the that did the opening crawl narration. Yes, and was also the same actor who did the opening crawl narration for The Outer Limits. There is nothing wrong with your television set. Do not attempt to adjust the picture. We are controlling transmission. Ah. So I guess they figured that would be scary, because somebody in the room was going, I know that voice, I know that voice. And it was Mikey from North Carolina. I was going, I know that voice, I know that voice. And I looked at IMDb, and I said, ah, it's because it's from The Outer Limits. Although they add this weird kind of like rattle to the voice, too, as yeah, well as the well, electronic. It, it, yeah, it's that early electronic buzz thing, it's, it, and it, it, it doesn't work. I'm sure it was very scary at the time, but now it just mm-hmm. sounds terrible. And in his first scene, when he's looking over Diana's body, people, uh, TJ in particular, was quick to point out that he was wearing pedal pick lipstick. <laughs> well, You've got to be a fashionable gargoyle. Which doesn't, which he doesn't have in the scenes in the cave. He's, it's all green in the cave. So going, okay, well, once he's he like, gets to the cave, he's in his own home. home he's like, I'm, I'm going out, then not out of the town. I gotta look good. Exactly. I gotta look. He doesn't good. have to look pretty when he's at his cave. Uh huh. Uh huh. And then he was mad because he didn't get any coke off the necklace that he heard so much about. He's like, listen, there's some girl who saw it at the shop. She's got coke on her necklace. I gotta go get some. <laughs> So it just takes her the whole thing. That's what they look like. That's what I want to say. That the the gargoyle bodysuits in this, and actually a lot of the makeup, they look like the sleeve stacks from Land of the Lost, mm-hmm. which was about the same time. So I was kind of half hoping the Chaka would pop up at some point. <laughs> and the Deus Ex Machina saving the day is Chaka. <laughs> so this this is actually when the movie goes off the rails for me, and I started to lose interest because mm-hmm. once we go back to the cave with Diana. Mm-hmm. we're finding out what the gargoyles really want, and it's kind of all over the place. Yeah. Because initially... Well, first of all, did you notice that he leaves at night, and yet when he comes to his home, it's daytime? Well, 
I was figuring it was a long night at that point. It must dawn must have happened. Okay. I mean, there's no sense of distance in any of this, because I would assume in a desert town everything would be far apart and that the cave in the hills would be in the middle of nowhere, but everybody seems to be able to transport everywhere very, very quickly, but whatever. Whatever. It's a movie. They only have an hour and 15 minutes. Just Let's go. Yeah, so you get to see more of the gargoyles, and what I thought was fun, too, the other thing that they do when they tip over the car is that the gargoyles not only take Diana, but they take the body of the dead gargoyle. But while they're taking him, they're, where they're getting him out, they're fawning over the body like they're mourning, and I'm just picturing them going, Charlie, oh, God. Oh, Charlie, no. What a great guy he was. Oh, my God. And we get there, and we find that it's – we learn in the opening narration, which I've already played, or, or something, that this cycle happens – or somebody says, or Uncle Willie says – somebody says that this cycle 600 happens. 600 years. 600 years, that they're kind of like cicadas or um, um, locusts, that they have a cyclical breeding pattern, and this is their breeding year. So the cave is filled with eggs, and you get to meet – a lot of the other gargoyles, and he's got a little. The main gargoyle has a little female sidekick. Yeah. Who I enjoy because, because yeah, Mrs. Gargoyle, because she was waiting outside the cave. Like you told me, you'd be home immediately after work. <laughs> the roast is ruined. And she kind of like hates on Diana for a moment, and then tears off her shirt. Yes. Yes, because that's going to make him lose interest. Which, of course, reveals my favorite of the, of the bra sets, that thing with the two long pieces of fabric. Yeah, the big, the, the white fringy bra that never gets dirty for all the spelunking that she does in this game. Yes. <laughs> and it is whitey, white, white, white. Either that or she was like, this shirt is hideous, girl. <laughs> That's better. Oh, God. And that but, causes... Yeah. Mr. Gargoyle to go and go like, no, no, it's you're the one, baby. You're the one. You're the one. Yeah, yeah. And he slaps her on the ass. <laughs> Daddy Gargoyle slapped Mrs. Gargoyle on the ass. <laughs> now, none of this is happening with, with any words or anything, even though it turns out that Daddy Gargoyle can speak because he is a superior breed of Gargoyle. He's got wings. He's a breeder. That's right, and it's only the ones that, with wings that will be able to reproduce for the next cycle. So all these other ones that had been running around beforehand, the one that got run over, the one that came to the, the hotel room, yeah. they didn't have wings. So they're, 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 they're the grunts. That's why they're out doing the shit missions. Mm-hmm. And so, so this hierarchy, this whole class system to gargoyle life. And I'm on board still. I'm on board up until it becomes reading Rainbow. Read to me. He kidnapped her so that she could read books to him. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and this goes on for a really long time. Because You're they not worried. That they, stole, they stole the skull, they stole her, they stole the body, and they stole all of his books, all the professor's books, which for some reason he had with him. But you notice, like, why do you travel with all your books? What the fuck is going on? Did you notice that when they were coming up to the cave, one of the grunt gargoyles, like, opened up one of the books and just ripped everything out of it? I didn't notice. Like, this is what I feel about education. Bah! This is trash. This is absolute trash. No, I didn't catch that. No, he wants that. He's telling, he has his whole speech to Diana. This is where it gets confusing for me, because things keep shifting. We mean no harm. You have nothing to fear. Your people have nothing to fear. 
but they have never understood. Why do I have to stay here if you mean us no harm? Yes, humans have nothing to fear from us. We just want to live and reproduce and go on with our lives, except you've been murdering people and you're continuing to murder people. And then <laughs> after this whole speech, we're talking about wiping out all of humanity. So either he was lying to her, which I would buy, but then why make what read to me? What? <laughs> what? And then we don't get to hear any of Dad's books, which is fine. She gets to read to him some like, gargoyle erotica. Now you will read to me. Pray read this and heed it. My account delivered with hope of redemptions to the Holy Fathers this first day of July in the year 1417 by Germaine d'Argent, a poor woman of Lordeaux. Go on. Your voice pleases me. The sin was not my own, but forced upon me by the incubus who of a night did slip into my bedchamber and taunt and seduce me with demons' promises until I was as if on fire. He was of uncommon height and finely built. A devil's face, a frightful beauty that did put me in a spell. I had no will of my own, but did let the incubus do his will until I was driven mad. <laughs> Just get me in the mood, Diana, and then I'll uh, rock your world. Which I can see why Mrs. Gargoyle is getting jealous. <laughs> He never asked me to read him <laughs> <Rock> anymore. <laughs> and remember, we got that weird scene with uh, with Professor Kills a lot. Which weird scene would that be? Okay, there's a scene where they're they're getting ready to they're, they're forming. He burst in onto the police station, saying, "There are gargoyles, and we're going to track them down. I want a search party. I want dogs. I want helicopters. Uh. The whole nine yards. And all they could do is like." release the their bikers and he's, he's explaining about there are these legends of these things they ha they seem to come up every 500 years and there's a rumor that they take human women there have been outbreaks of things like this you see them in the legends of a dozen different cultures stories paintings sculpture ancient egypt babylon yucatan medieval europe and they always look the same as if They've existed along with mankind from the beginning of time. They were, well, they were the evil ones, you see, the demons, the gargoyles. What's that add up to for us? Well, I think we have the same creatures here. They show up, oh, about every four or five hundred years. I'm guessing that that's their incubation period. Eggs are beginning to hatch again. And the chat room was buzzed with blah, 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 book learning, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh my god, nobody asked for a lecture, Professor Boring. His name is Borley, but I think somebody, I forget who it was, I think it may have been Woody dubbed him Professor Bormy. <laughs> Can you just take us to the girl with the big boobs and the bra, please? But the thing that you left, thank you for bringing up this scene, because the thing that you left out was the return of Miss Sparks. <laughs> Yeah, and the first thing she does is he reaches into the, the sheriff's um, draw yeah. for a pint of whiskey. Oh, oh, I, I hid in my cabin while it was all happening. Screaming and breaking. Okay, okay. They tore down Dr. Bowley's door. I don't know what was happening. And that girl girl was, was, was screaming 
for help. Now, did you see anyone? No. No, I, I was afraid to go outside. Something funny was going on about a, about an hour before fighting in Dr. Bully's cabin. Yeah, well, because she shows up and she's like, oh my gosh, all this stuff happened at the hotel and there was so much noise and all the doors have broken down and she's holding an empty glass and people was like, oh my God, her glass is empty and as she's talking and this happened and that happened and without breaking anything, she's just like <laughs> knowing that this ball somehow sensed psychically that there was a bottle of whiskey right. in the drawer and pours it and drinks it, never pausing to take a breath. Nobody acknowledges that she does this. It's fantastic. I love Mrs. Parks. But it is during this scene, when he comes in and is bursting in, that I was like, huh, Scott Glenn is now in a wife beater and he's all oily. <laughs> and they were like, oh, jailhouse porn, jailhouse porn. And then I noticed... Uh, is anyone else seeing that the two guys in the deep background in the cell have their shirts off? We're like, oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys can go look for your daughter. We're going to stay here. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> We're fine. No, but the bikers do want to help out because, you know, well, hey, they're in jail. What the fuck? But this is why I hate Professor Borley. Because this whole movie, he's like, we're not going to, I'm not going to help Uncle Willie. I'm not going to tell the, I'm not going to call the cops. When I do call the cops, I'm not going to really tell them what happened. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to do this. My daughter's been kidnapped. All of you have to drop what you're doing right now. Right. And they do. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. But they do. They're like, okay, he, well, 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 he might take his shirt off again if we don't. So let's just do it. Let's just do it. Get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so yeah, so Mrs. Parks actually escapes the scene. They, oh, well, they're going to, I forget, they're going to go get the National Guard or some shit, so she gets in a car right. with fucking Deputy Neville Longbottom. With Buddy. No, he gets in with Buddy, the oh, gasoline okay, station. That's who it was, because, yeah. Because, because I think it was TJ again. It's like, it's Neville Longbottom from Harry Potter. Like, it is Neville. That is not the cop that you want to be going off with for safety. <laughs> But this is great, too, because they pile into his chuck. She gets into the chuck. She's like, well, I hope we're going to be safe. And even in the midst of this crisis, she does not sit in the passenger seat. She slides all the way over. Yes. <laughs> she's sitting right next to the the young, nubile deputy. a girl, Mrs. Parks. a girl. Saucy to the left. So this cavalry is forming to save Diana when really she doesn't need savings. She just needs a bookmark or a book light because she's reading in the dark <laughs> in this cave, but whatever. But I guess she's reading by egg light because the eggs are like, They glow. They glow. And also, these eggs are massive. Who laid these what eggs? <laughs> There's the, I mean, you would need a gigantic vagina to be found those eggs. I'm looking at Mrs. Gargoyle and going, unless you grow rapidly in the next few days, I don't see how any of this is coming out of you and you living. Maybe that's the whole thing. Maybe you don't – I don't know. What the hell goes on in Gargoyle communities, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm saying there's another Gargoyle around here, the one with the giant vagina who's going to pop up at the end and eat all of you. But no, it didn't happen. So cavalry forms, and they go, and they, they get attacked by gargoyles, and most of the cavalry gets killed. And then my favorite visual happens. At the end of the battle, you know, when it's just Professor Borley and Scott Glenn left alive, up comes riding on horseback is a gargoyle. <laughs> it's, it's my, Daddy Gargoyle. It's not Daddy Gargoyle, though. 
It's not. It was a different one because that's what I thought at first too. And as Tara said in the chat room, she's like, I checked my phone for literally 15 seconds and I come back and there's a girl going horseback. What the fuck just happened? <laughs> I'm like, oh, they're barebacking. Well, you forgot. You Gargoyles forgot. love barebacking <laughs> with horses. Just keep it in the but port. But you forgot the fate of poor Mrs. Mrs. Park. Oh, I don't know. Did that even happen yet? I guess it did. No, no, that, that happened before the that happened okay, before the big fight. Okay, we have lots of boring fight. scenes in the in the in the cave with reading and you know watching right. babies hatch out of the thing. And you're right, they go driving off for something. On oh, the cavalry has formed and they're driving and they come. They across. find Buddy's truck circling. Circling, and I was like, oh, ghost truck. That's the next movie of the week. <laughs> But then one of the other deputies just really casually was like, oh, hey, there's a person hanging from that pole. Like <laughs> so there's, for some reason, as a kid, that stuck with me. Maybe because I was so into Mrs. Parks, you know, just having her upside yeah, down Mrs. with a scratch in her face. It's Mrs. Parks hanging upside down tied to this pole, and she's dead. Which there was much grieving in the chat room I, and myself. I was like, "No, not Mrs. Parks. No, no." You which killed is why the best I, character in the movie. She's the best character in any movie ever, and that's why I thought it would be great that in her dead little hand there's a still glass <laughs> of scotch, <laughs> right side up, so it didn't spill. Because uh, um, you know, my my ex partner, Mr. Brad, had this alternative personality called Safety Girl. And Safety Girl was all about the prevention of alcohol abuse, mm-hmm. meaning that Safety Girl would teach you how to do, you know, parallel park without spilling your martini, <laughs> that kind of alcohol abuse. So when I, when I said, oh, what would great that happened, he was like, Safety Girl would have approved of that. <laughs> and what, what was amazing, too, when they find the truck that's circling. In that hump seat, appropriately, she was riding the hump seat. Mrs. Parks was riding the hump seat. In yeah. the seat next to the chair. Now, there's nobody in the truck, of course, but there's a huge blood stain where she was sitting. It looked more like a jelly stain to me. It did kind of more look like a jelly stain, but <laughs> but somebody does say, oh, it is blood and jelly. <laughs> it's mostly blood. But what she, like, what she said, when she's up there in her white turtleneck, the only blood is on her face, and it's a drop. So I don't yeah. know whose blood that was. It might have been jelly. Probably buddies. Killed, killed them both, had a sandwich. <laughs> and you know, in that heat, you know, the jelly does melt everywhere. It's there. It's very, okay. It was, it was time for Gargoyle lunch break, so. Gargoyle got to eat, man. Yeah, so then the big battle happens. Then the the uh, the Gargoyle rides up on horseback and says, we have Diana, blah, blah, blah. Because the, the other daddy Gargoyle was still getting read to this whole time because reading is fundamental. And it was notably smaller. No, no, no. It is, it is Daddy Gargoyle. Daddy Gargoyle leads. Don't make me get um, a photo. Don't make me get a photo still. Don't make go me get, get a photo, photo still because it's Daddy Gargoyle. I, well, okay, I will shame you on the podcast because I'm going to stick to the fact that it was whatever. The Gargoyle rides up, and I said, "You have wings." <laughs> you rode That's why it was Daddy Gargoyle, and you have wings. <laughs> You lazy Remember, bitch. Daddy Gargoyle is the only one with wings who isn't uh, Mrs. Gargoyle. I thought a few others had wings. I could be completely wrong. But, oh, no wonder they were so excited there were more breeders. We can't fuck for everybody. We can't fuck a whole other generation <laughs> into existence. 
Because that means the next generation is all going to be inbred. It's terrible. Um, yeah, but yes, uh, yeah, but I'm like, you li- You could have flown here. I made a great entrance and scared the hell out of it. No, I'm riding up on horseback. <laughs> Off the set of Gentle Ben or whatever bullshit was on the next lot over. <laughs> and then we go back to the, the cave, and it's this really kind of lackluster finale. Well, they dragged Professor Professor Kills a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, into the cave, and yes. Daddy Gargoyle has that speech about, you will never see another human again. Yes. Do you think that you tricked me into bringing you here? You only tricked yourself. You and your daughter will never see another human again. Five hundred years we waited. And now our eggs have begun to hatch again. But we must have time Time enough to grow strong before you and your kind destroy us. And we shall not die. It will be you and your kind that dies. It is you who will die. Yes, you have nothing to fear, but it is you who will die. Then he goes back to his, his rumpus room to have Diana read for him. Then, uh-huh. th- then Professor Kills a Lot sees another a birth of another gargoyle. Oh, right, because this is when she's reading the erotica, which was fantastic. And it yes. is it's erotica. It's like, this is my diary. I am, I am just a poor, simple woman in 1873. And she has this long tale about how she was had sexual encounter with an incubus. Mm-hmm. Which she then describes. I'm like, that's just a dude. That's a dude. That's a dude. <laughs> he just said he was an incubus. And, and and then madness descended upon me, and as it was phrased, everybody was like, so you had an orgasm. Okay, so that's it. You had your first orgasm, and you think you went crazy, because you're writing pretty lucidly for a crazy poor person who's uneducated, as you've already said in your opening statements. But anyway, so that's right. So that's happening. He's spelunking. I don't know what's, what as I got very well, he, getting... he climbs, he gets out of the, out of the cave runs into the, the sheriff and Scott Glenn, Sway Scott Glenn, and he's like, we have to kill them now because yeah. they're hundreds of eggs hundreds and they're going to they're hatch. Yeah, and he's like, you got to call in the, this person, this group, and that group. We're going to need all these things, none of which we see because they're out of the budget, which is fine. Oh, yeah, so, so him and get, Scott Glenn go on an on egg-killing spree. Something happened a, where, where the girl, where Mrs. Gargoyle helped Professor Borley with something. Brought him oh, to Diana. She, some, yeah, brings her to where Diana is because, of course, he's like, I want that girl out of here. Yeah. Yeah, and then he thanks her later, but he's like, oh, thanks for the help, Mrs. Gargoyle, and then hits her with a rock. Crack. You're a fucking asshole, Professor Porling. <laughs> asshole to the last goddamn frame. <laughs> and meanwhile, Scott Glenn is left to do all the dirty work of, of destroying all the eggs, which he does with, uh, I, don't, I guess he had gasoline? A can and a half of gasoline, because that's going to kill hundreds of uh, gargoyle eggs. eggs. Well, yeah, apparently, because apparently those eggs are super explosive, because he just he basically <laughs> threw his cigarette lighter. They're made of the same stuff that that was that, uh, Uncle Willie Shack was made of. Yes, because this place goes up like a bomb. <laughs> Instantly. <laughs> so now all the, all the gargoyles are dead, except for, you know, Mr., uh, most of them anyway, uh, uh, the baby ones anyway, except for Daddy Gargoyle and Mrs. Gargoyle and... And I, there's a whole thing with Diana, and then, I don't know, he, he hits her with a Well, he's rock. about to take Diana away with him. Yes. When Professor Kills a Lot takes a rock and breaks Mrs. Gargoyle's wing. 
Just like a one-winged gargoyle sings a song, sounds like she's singing. Sorry, I'm back now. <laughs> and says, you, can, you both can leave, but leave my daughter here. It's only her wings. She can walk. <laughs> That's what he says. She can walk. Fuck you. Daddy Gargoyle goes, How clever you are. Your choice has allowed you and your daughter to survive. It also allows me and my kind to survive. Perhaps at the price of your supremacy on Earth one day. And then they finally, we finally get to see him fly. Sort of. Yeah. Flying with non-flapping wings. Clearly just, clearly just hanging from a crane. But I'm sure at the time, it was big news. And it's like he carries Mrs. Gargoyle from like her underarms or something as opposed to just like cradling her. Yes. Yes, smashing that broken wing deeper into his, <laughs> into his chest. And that's it. The movie just ends. There's no denouement. There's no tag scene. Nothing. It's just over. But then again, that was very indicative of the time. Like you see a lot of these older horror movies, like I'm thinking of like Hell Knight and things like that, where the big final battle happens and the movie's just over. It just stops as opposed to ends. Yes. And we're done. Which is fine. I get it. It's at the time, but it was it was actually very fun to watch the group. It was fun to revisit it again, but my goodness, I mean it is eye-opening to go back and see a lot of these and just see how not great they were, considering that this mm-hmm. one is beloved. Like, this one, this is one of the most recognizable titles out of this era. This is one of the few that got a DVD release. It sure did. It sure did. It's available on Shudder right now. And I, I think it's fun, even though it's such a, I mean, coming at it from the modern perspective, that it's such a lackluster film and so much is silly about it, that it had that much of an impact on that many people to be one of the most recognizable films of this kind of the era. And like I said, I know I, I, I did traumatized the shit out of me at the time. Granted, I was a waif, but, and a very delicate one, too. Very, very delicate. I was not But, you know, we, we have different levels of tolerance for this stuff when we're kids. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm also always impressed with a lot of these horror made-for-TV movies that the ends are not necessarily happy endings. No. Because the bad guys weren't defeated here. No, they go off to fight another day. Uh They're going to go fuck, and in 500 years, you're all fucked. (laughs) And I'm almost thinking, it's eggs. So does that mean that Mrs. Gogo is going to lay the eggs and then Daddy's just going to be jerking off in that cave all day? Is that what's going to happen? <laughs> thinking, about the, thinking about the gargoyle erotica. <laughs> Once I had a girl in a fringy bra read dirty stories to me. That's why he was filling up his spank bank for the next 500 years. Now it makes total sense. What a perfect film. <laughs> layers, layers upon layers upon layers. Oh, gosh. And it was fun to watch. Even with the modern perspective, it was a lot of joy to be had watching it and making mm-hmm. fun of it. In, in, like, most of the fun that was being made was in the best of spirits. Like, every, uh, uh, like everybody loves Uncle Willie because he's just such a ridiculous character. Mm-hmm. And oh, I Everybody loved Mrs. Parks. And everybody loved the fact that, it tur- that it, Uncle Willie's murder shack turned out not to be a murder shack. It actually turned out to be the love shack because that whole shack shit is. <laughs> Which 
Diana and Dr. Borley should have known when they were driving up because oh, there was all that glitter on the highway and then there was glitter on the front porch, but they didn't notice. So they didn't know that they were walking into a love shack and not a murder shack. <laughs> and then there was a guy, one of, the, one of the stunt actors, his name was Rock Walker, mm-hmm. which I said, what a great name for a stunt guy. I'm Rock Walker. Someone said he could have also been in that jailhouse porn. And I'm thinking, Rock Walker. It's very B-52s all the time. And all we needed was somebody in the basement learning to print. It had everything. And it was shot in my private auto. I don't know what's happening now. And you know, Professor Kills a lot and Diana were Rome. They were like they were they were lively to Rome. So. They were Roman. She was she was Roman in that bra. That's for sure. If you want to, <laughs> Roman over here, Roman over there. <laughs> that's right, Roman. <laughs> Roman to the police station. Roman back to the police station. Walking <laughs> Uncle Willie. Walking back from Uncle Willie. <laughs> Getting carried um, to the cave. <laughs> One scene that actually gave me a little bit of the willies, not Uncle Willies, just regular willies, <laughs> was early on when they were driving and they got lost and they stopped for a minute at that crossroads to figure out where they were. And you realize that they're being watched when you see the shadow. Yeah. The wing shadow. And you heard the flapping. That gave me a little bit of goose pimples. Like, ooh, that's pretty cool. I like that. I don't know how they're not seeing that because it's pretty flat out here, but whatever. That's cool. That's cool. I like that. And... I did get a kick that uh, um, he gives the whole gargle thing, which I thought was was a nice bit of history. That uh, and I don't know how accurate it is. I'm sure it's fairly accurate that you know civilizations going as far back as Egypt all use these forms of gargoyles, and in all these situations, all in all these different parts of the world that had no contact with each other, they all look the same. Right. Now the same features, which I thought was kind of cool, and some of them actually have them in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, Beaky Boy looked like he came right off of uh, the Notre Dame, for sure. Yes, yes, he did. Yes, he did. And, you know, there's that one gargoyle. I forget where it is. I, it's not Notre Dame. It's somewhere in New York. I don't know. I, mean, I don't want to say it's St. Patrick's Cathedral. It's the one. It's really big and it's scary, and it's got these big, pink, luscious lips with lots of gloss on I'm making that up. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're going to have a gargoyle... Imagine- Daddy Gargoyle just looking in the mirror, just like putting that stuff on, saying to Mrs. Gargoyle, I'm going out tonight, and you can't stop me. <laughs> That's not even your shade. I like you... it. It makes me feel good. What do you know? You're only three days old, and I'm four days old, because they're also just only a few days old. A few weeks old, he says, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I thought it was a few days. All right. Even so, they have a great growth rate. I what I want to know is how did he understand how did he learn English in just a few weeks? Okay, well I gotta ruin it. I'm just wondering. It was pretty damn good English. I don't know, maybe they had T V reception in that cave. I don't know, I got nothing. <laughs> Sitting around watching Andy Griffith. <laughs> Well, if that's the case, then one of the, one of the gargoyles should have been like, "Well, golly, that would have been great." That <laughs> <laughs> oh my, that would be amazing. <laughs> I don't know. He did know perfectly, but he didn't know how to read. All of a sudden, for a little bit, it was an after-school special. 
when gargoyles can't read. The flappy gargoyle doesn't know how to read. He's the <laughs> king of his people, but he never learned how to read. Na, 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 na. Sad Hulk music. Na, 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 na. <laughs> yeah, oh gosh, what a fun movie. Thank you for joining me, Mr. Thomas. Now, why don't we remind people again where we can find your books? Okay, the first two novels in the series, New Roads to Hell and Nightmare City, are available right now on Amazon and wherever other fine books are sold, like Barnes & Nobles and the like. And here's something that I ha- I've held back just to, to share with you, Oh, that's right. Patrick. You said you had a big announcement. Oh, my gosh. <gasps> I had a big announcement. We are now going in. I'm starting my own publishing house. You are? I am. With two of my friends and the third book in the series, which is called Machina X Deus, which has people punching robots in the face. I know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll be out late this year. Fantastic. Good for you. Congratulations. Thank you. What a bold move. I mean, well, it's, nothing like, it's nothing like starting your own 7-Eleven, of course, but that's a conversation that we had off the air that you people don't need to know about. You don't need to know about that. Well, I could sell them in 7-Elevens. You could. It's your 7-Eleven. You can do whatever the fuck you want. That's right. Damn it. I'm sorry. I'll give you your, I'll give you your gas, but you've got to buy this book, too. Sorry. It's my 7-Eleven. My rules. <laughs> Otherwise, I have this professor of demonology who will take his shirt off if you don't. Okay, Thomas, thank you very much for joining me with, for Gargoyles. I'm sorry, Toppy Smelly, that you didn't make the party. What a bummer. We I'm would have pre- enjoyed it. I'm going to pretend that he's off somewhere partying with Mrs. Parks. Drinky, drinky. Drinky, drinky. Thank you very much, sir. Have a good night. Good night. So that is going to wrap things up for another episode, my beautiful, beautiful screamers. I have some voicemails and emails and stuff in in storage here. Storage? Is that the word I'm looking for? No, whatever. You know what I mean. But they're here. They're piled up. But since it is the new policy that I do not do voicemails and emails when I have a guest on to keep the show at a reasonable length, we will be doing them next time. But what else are we doing next time, Patrick? Well, shut up a minute. I'm going to tell you. Well, as promised, I'm going to be exploring some stuff I don't normally go to, some drive-in era style stuff and possibly a genre that I don't normally dabble in too much. And so episode 189 will be dedicated to games in space. Well, maybe the movies don't have gays in them, but I, I, I'm, in, I'm watching the movie and that puts me in space, so therefore it will be gays in just shut up. Just shut up. Work with me. So the movies are going to be covering are a movie called Queen of Blood and also Mario Baba's Planet of the Vampires. And I know that one is available on YouTube and Queen of Blood is available on Amazon Prime. So hopefully you'll be able to play along at home with me because that will be really super cool. And if I didn't say it last time, I want to say thank you to all of you for being part of this seven-year project that I've been working on, this crazy little show, and I really appreciate it uh, that you've come along with me. It's been a long, crazy, weird, painful, scary, wonderful, incredible, joyful, tragic, brilliant, sexy, 
not sexy ride. And I'd be nothing without you. And the reason I'm saying this now, because technically, even though last time we celebrated the anniversary, the anniversary was actually this episode. The show came out at the end of the, uh, I should say the podcast premiered at the end of January in 2010. So this is technically the anniversary show, but since I have that policy where I can't have voicemails and emails, when I have a guest on, I shifted it because, you know what? A queen has the right to break the rules of time and space. Okay? Deal with it. And speaking of emails and voicemails, if you want to contact me at the show, what you need to do is pick up your phone, stick out that sexy little digit of yours, and you press the numbers 917-720-2047. Or... If you want to write an email, you can send it to crew at screamqueens.com. And of course, as always, that's Queens with a Z. Or you could find me on Facebook by doing a search on Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. Or you can find me on Twitter at Scream Queens. Or I'm on Instagram at NoTRForYou. And if you want to support the show in a brand new way and get extra bonus episodes every single month, you be become a Patreon subscriber. You can head on over to patreon.com slash squeam queen good self-advertising, Patrick. Patreon.com slash scream queens. Become uh, make a pledge and, and join the fun in there. And also, if you're listening to this before July 31st, please go to podcastawards.com, register and nominate Scream Queens for the best LGBTQ podcast. That would be a super cool thing. And with that, my beautiful, beautiful Screamers, until next time, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember the Scream Queens golden rule. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final reel, baby. Cause man, I just got my hair did, and it's I, you know you know I I I ain't dying with hair this pretty, no sir, no sir, no sir or madam. Good night. Bye. I go hunting for witches. Heads up, going to roll. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches! <laughs>